0: Welcome to episode 124 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James Langer, joined again this week by Ryan Top and Paul Noonan. How are you guys this morning?
1: You sound so really good. good, James. Like,
0: yeah, we, we finally finally got those uh, audio things ironed out. So thanks for bearing with us the first couple of episodes here with me uh, at the helm. But we're we're sounding good this morning.
2: Hooray for that! Um, hooray, and doing fine, fine over here too. Um, it, we're doing an early one, so got coffee. Uh, I had a Bloody Mary, so I should be okay. Good, good. We're fueled up and ready to go. Uh,
1: <laughs> I have my Dasani um, and, sparkling black cherry, which is uh-huh. actually kind of disgusting. I wish I had the uh, the lime uh, ones are much better.
0: Doesn't sound good at all. <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs>
0: um, as a heads up to everybody who's uh, listening along, we're, we're recording this on Sunday morning before Brewers on Deck starts, so anything that happens there... Uh, we'll have to talk about the news that comes out there a little bit later, but I will be following that along online and uh, have all those news and notes over at Brew Crew Ball. So be sure to uh, look those up as you know, you're know you listening to this after the fact then. As always, you can help people find the podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you want to send us a question to talk about, we've got a lot this week. You can do that in a few different ways. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at tailgate. You can email those questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or you can follow our Facebook page. You can also follow all of us on Twitter. Ryan is at rdtop, Paul is at Badger Noonan, and I'm at James L. You can help and support our podcast network at patreon.com slash tailgate. Ball and Glove and Above patrons get the monthly Minor League Extra podcast with Ryan and Brad Ford now. They just recorded their first episode this week, so you'll want to check that out. Ryan, how did that go?
1: It was great. I mean, we went a long time, which I was sort of expecting. And we were we were set up for it. We started recording early enough in the night that we could make that work. And uh, we went over Brad's top 10 Brewers prospects. Um, We did a brief kind of look at who uh, the Brewers had signed as minor league uh, camp invites this spring and so far in uh, January, I should say. And then we talked about a little bit in depth of the history of the Brewers' international operations, which is kind of fascinating, actually, because the Brewers, I don't know if you guys remember this, they had dropped having an international academy for a while and were bringing their signings straight to the U.S. and then decided that wasn't a good idea and undid that around 2010 and started actually running an international academy again. So we kind of talked about that and then talked about where they are currently, which is, They've brought in they've had a few straight classes now of very interesting international signings and we'll have to see how those guys work their way up but it's it's something to uh to take notice of right now that they're they're improving things and they're very much focused on Venezuela like that's a big thing for them. They're some major league teams have pulled out of Venezuela because of all the unrest and right. dangerousness. They have not and it is to their advantage that they're they've stuck in there. So yeah
0: Cool. Yeah, you guys went super in depth, so check that out on mm-hmm. Patreon. Um, and just because it's the offseason for the Packers now doesn't mean reporting as eligible with Paul is going away. Paul, do you want to talk about what your off season plans and schedule is looking like?
2: Yep, definitely. Um, so the NFL kind of never stops. So um, our our plans are like as follows: we're gonna do a, a main pod at least once a month, and um, should anything break, we're talking about, we'll do it more frequently. But um, that's about how much. Um, content is generated by the nfl um i think that warrants it so we'll probably do something post super bowl um when the draft comes up we'll certainly hit that but however um we'll we'll continue to do more mini pods than that just because there will be enough news to keep that going so um we'll do at least two of those a month and i'll probably have the the first one up um, next week for the super bowl um and so that'll kind of be the, the the main um schedule but we'll We'll jump in if anything like huge happens. Um, it doesn't look like anything too huge is going to happen because they already said they're going to retain Mike Pettin, and uh, it l- doesn't look like there's going to be too much coaching staff turnover. I'm very disappointed in this. But I was uh, just going
1: to ask, how do you feel about that, Paul? <laughs> he,
2: he's not—he's not good, and there are better options out there. So it's not—you know—the big thing with firing coaches is you always have to ask, well, who are you going to get instead? And like, well, like Wade Phillips was out there to get, and you could have just gotten him for but they didn't. So um not, not a fan of that. Uh, that decision. Well, uh, Hey, all-
1: Andy Schaff is very happy that they're not stealing Jim Leonard from the Badgers.
2: I know he was. <laughs> I, I don't think that that, that they were ever going to steal Jim Leonard, but I, I'm also happy. He's still with the Badgers. Although I don't think he'll be with the Badgers for all that long. So um, if you were going to lose him, I would have liked to have lost him to the Packers. Um, That's kind of where the way, I was at
1: with it too. Like yeah. it seems oh, oh. like he's not long for the Badgers and if he's going to go. Yeah. I'd love him in green Bay. Cause I think he's great. Uh,
2: uh- Yep. Uh, of the like the Rex Ryan Jets disciples, like Petton's my least favorite one, and Leonard is above him for me. I think he actually was kind of the the coach on the field for real for that defense. And you can kind of see it in how he's progressed as an actual coach. So I think he's really good. Um and I think he kind of gets it more than Petton does. So um I I would have been I would have been pro of that. He was another candidate I would have liked. Anyway. That we could talk about that on reporting is eligible, but we're all sad about that on reporting is eligible. <laughs> None of us like Mike Patton, so
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so lots of lots of stuff to check out on those mini pods over at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. We are also sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing and their English-style malt bombs and perfectly balanced hop grenades. You know they're great beers, including Dragon Flute, Block Party, and Fantasy Factory. You can try all of them and the newly released Deep Winter Coffee Stout at their t- tap room on Kinsman Boulevard on Madison's east side. Haven't tried that one yet, but it sounds interesting. Uh, <laughs> they have a lot of cool <laughs> merch. <laughs> I don't know if coffee stouts are my thing. I usually like the lighter ones. But, you uh, know, go, go to Kinsman Boulevard. Give it a shot. And while you're at it, take a look at the cool merch they have there. Uh, you can get 20% off that merch online using the promo code MKETailgate at Carbon4.com. Carbon 4 Beer Brilliance. Um, so as I mentioned, we're, we're kind of uh, waiting for Brewers on Deck to start and all of the news that comes out of there. But just before we recorded this, we got some not-so-great Brewers news that Luis Urias, the... Uh, Probably the biggest addition of the offseason, if you want to consider him that Uh, he's coming back to the U.S. to get a wrist injury checked out. He hadn't played winter ball in about three weeks. Uh, Finally concerned enough to bring him back stateside to look at it. Uh, We'll probably figure out what exactly is wrong by the middle of the week, but obviously kind of not the the news you want as we get close to the start of spring training. Uh, Ryan, are you worried at all about the wrist injury?
1: I mean, yeah, you have to be a little bit. I hope it's not that capsule thing that Ricky Weeks had on both wrists because that was a pain and it cost him. I think he he basically had to shut it down for full seasons, like for the rest. he had to have surgery, shut it down for the rest of that year. And then it was like a, a six to eight month recovery. And then he was ready for spring training the next year each time. But that was that was a huge pain in the butt. And. You really, really hope that because risks are so important to hitters, that it isn't anything serious and it's something that could just sort of be treated. Fortunately, there is still, you know, more than two months until opening day. So they have some time here, but they do need to proceed cautiously with this. They invested a lot of, you know, prospect capital in Trent Grisham and I guess also in, uh, uh, setting over, uh, Zach Davies. But, obviously not a prospect they invested a lot in getting him and they need to be careful about this and be smart which I'm sure they will be they're not going to uh proceed recklessly but it is concerning I would say my level of concern is you know five six right now it's (laughs) it's definitely worth paying attention to
2: yeah I'm high I I agree with that on the the level of concern risks are like what I think just in terms of ranking injuries from baseball players like my, my the thing I fear the most is the Jimmy Nelson the shoulder on a pitcher. Um, but like wrist for hitter, I think is probably second. Uh, and it's not just that Weeks had to shut it down for like a season. It, it it takes a while to get it saps your power. Like wrist injuries are always bad for power, and it usually takes some time on top of that to actually get that power back. Um, from at, in playing time, it, it's like a year and a half injury if it's really severe. So. Um, it's bad. I don't like you hearing anything about wrists. It's not always bad, but the, the worst case scenario there is quite bad. So hopefully it's okay. Hopefully it's caught early and it's just soreness and it heals on its own. But uh, you always worry when that one pops up. It can alter careers.
0: Right, especially for a guy like Urias who already, you know, last year, some of the questions about his power were starting to pop up already. So if, if you're dealing with a wrist injury, that's obviously less than ideal. Yeah. Um, I guess if there's good news, it's it's that... David Stern signed plenty of infielders this winter <laughs> to help cover that. Um, Ryan, do you think the Brewers' depth can help cover an injury if if he's not a hundred percent or his performance is
1: affected? Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I hadn't completely written off the idea that Orlando Arcea could still break out and become a solid everyday player. Uh, but this does probably put more pressure on that, you know, needing to be the case. Though I suppose they could also, if uh, Eric Sogard could cover there as well though that would kind of move jed jerko into more of an everyday role at third base instead of a platoon so though then again there's also ryan healy knocking around They have so many different options for ways to cover this i think they have guys who can potentially fill in uh at shortstop and and cover that gap the question is just like this is not the ideal situation you want to yeah you wanted Urias to potentially take that position and run with it and really establish himself. And this is going to be harder for him to do now. So we'll see. But this is an advantage of doing things the way they did, where you leave yourself lots of coverage all over the diamond.
2: Yeah, they can, they are well set up to cover for short periods of time. If he misses, you know, like a month, then they're in good shape. Um, The problem is you're kind of counting on him to be a breakout star to some extent. Like if they're going to, they're going to be serious contenders. One of the things you're projecting is Urius to you know take a step forward and be a multi-war player. Um, their depth helps you cover for short periods of time. You get a guy hot for a little bit. Sometimes that's good, but if they have to go the whole season with you know the Sogard Dricko Healy combo, that is, that looks like a pretty substantial downgrade. So um, it's it's good that they have that flexibility. They don't have to, to you know go with a uni at first base situation here, um, but. Hopefully he's okay because um, it it could do, do a number on the season if he's not.
0: Absolutely, um, and you know that that depth is at the major league level, but not necessarily at the minor league level either. Um, and that that's pretty clear based on the Baseball America and the MLB top, uh pipeline. Sorry, the MLB pipeline top one hundred prospect list that came out over the last few days. <laughs> zero brewers prospects on either of those lists and the brewers are the last ranked team in the organizational <laughs> rankings uh probably not surprised given kind of what we've seen over the past couple of years in terms of trading away prospects and graduating others um brian are you at all worried about the lack of brewers representation on these lists
1: um, I mean, it's not ideal. You don't want this situation. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not good. And they are legitimately down towards the bottom of systems. I mean, I don't follow it close enough to know, oh, well, should they really be 26th or 30th? Because I don't follow every system nearly as closely as I follow the Brewers. And I have a good idea of who's around. I, I follow it pretty closely, but not at the level of the people who are actually doing these lists. So I can't argue with it that way. Um, one thing I will point out though is, and I, I tweeted this yesterday, and the tweet's actually doing well and kind of enjoying that. Um, <laughs> but I did point out okay, so the Brewers were last ranked 30th in MLB, or sorry, in Baseball America's top 30 team list. They were last ranked that in 2011. So I pulled out my old Baseball America annual and looked at what they had in the system at that point. And it was Jake Odorizzi. Uh, Jeremy Jeffress, Willie Peralta, Jimmy Nelson, Chris Davis, Scooter Jeanette, Mike Fiers, Tyler Thornburg. They had a good number of guys who actually ended up having substantial big league careers and even some impact, depending on how you feel about Jimmy Nelson's brief stint as a really good pitcher um, before the injury got him. And, you know, however you feel about like Scooter Jeanette and Jake Odorizzi having to go someplace else to really emerge and all that. Point is, is that they had talent in that system. It just wasn't really apparent at the moment that that list was done, which is a good reminder that all prospect lists are snapshots in time. And you're taking a look at what it looks like right now, and you're trying to project both for impact, like how much impact there's going to be down the line, and also like the the likelihood that guys are going to get there. And so it's a complicated process, and it's really difficult to do. And to do well. And just because the Brewers don't have, you know, because they're ranked 30th doesn't mean that there aren't guys currently in the system that can have impact. It's just that right now you wouldn't take that system over some of these other systems based on all the, the various things you'd look at, including like impact depth, all that. So you you have to just sort of take it for what it is, which is a look at the moment, but not necessarily like a definitive answer of what this system is going to be 10 years from now, because that can change a lot.
2: Yep. I, I don't think anybody should be surprised by that ranking. And yeah, m- maybe you could argue them up to the 28th or something like that, but that's splitting hairs. They're obviously not a good system. And uh, the, the one thing, yeah, just to echo Ryan a little bit, a lot a lot of the rankings of systems are based on sort of high-end talent most of the time, and when you get into depth, um, there's still some there. And there's always some there, but but yeah, uh, when you when you do make the deals that they've done, um, when you bring aboard a lot of you know now talent to actually help you contend now, this is what happens. It's how baseball is designed, and it, it does take a while to have your system recover, and often takes a few down seasons, uh, multiple down seasons to get those high-end guys back, or you know selling off assets is the other way you can do it. Um, so it is what it is, but you'd rather be in the state they are, where they have a lot of good major league talent and you have your Christian Yelich up there and some guys that like Urias who might develop, um, and, you know, work to build that on the back end in assets for trades, but it's fine. It's how baseball ebbs and flows. We've also seen how they can turn this around, I think much more quickly than, the The common knowledge was on that like the, the brewers have really flip flopped back and forth between having pretty good systems and really really bad systems, much more than like just the Astros did when they did the mega tank like um so it, it it's just a it, it's a now thing it made in two years from now it might look completely different um and it's nothing to worry about because if your team is good now, that's really all that matters like if you get into a situation where you are not a contender and your system is bad, well, maybe that'll happen. But that's when you start to worry a
1: little bit. Well, and the other thing to point out, too, is the Brewers have a pretty solid number of zero to three players. Guys who are who are good major leaguers, but who have not yet gotten to the arbitration process. And that's, you know, really it's kind of what this is all for. Like, this is why exactly. you, like, you do the farm the, system thing. Is
2: Keston Hero was, was in the farm system last year, and now he's not and you know his replacement's not there yet because that's how these things work
1: right and like luis urias he misses by i don't know like 100 plate appearances or something yeah. if he was in right. here he would be a top 30 prospect if he Absolutely. was on this list but he just barely graduated and like you said you know hura isn't far behind that so again it's all snapshots in time so
0: right and even those highly touted prospects you know they're they tend to be the the more projectable types for people are looking at these as possible future All-Stars. So the Brewers having a farm system full of, you know, guys who might be solid major leaguers, sort of like the 2011 se- season where you had, you know, the Scooter Jeanettes and Chris Davises or whatever, they're not necessarily going to make those lists because, you know, their ceiling is, is capped a little hot yeah. uh, lower. Um, so, you know, the Scouts are kind of just going to, skip over those for lack of a better term um and that's not going to be reflected on those lists and also you know like you guys kind of touched on it i think once you're you're looking at the organizational rankings i i think it's more like tiers than an actual one to 30 list right so so sort of like any anywhere between 25 and 30 kind of like you guys are saying it doesn't matter they're bad you know they're they're just interchangeably bad you're going to have the top, you know, maybe a clear cut one or two. But after that, it's just kind of a jumbled mess, too. And the same goes for the the prospect list, too. You know, a guy could be at 102 just out the list, not you know, substantially worse than anybody in the 80s. So it's all subjective. I, well, and I we do to know to,
1: Brad Ford did tweet out a link to Baseball America did their next 25, like guys who could leap up and join this group. And Bryce Trang was in that group. And right. Like, going into the MLB Pipeline thing, we were talking about it a little on Twitter as that show was starting yesterday. And it was like, well, they might actually sneak Terang onto the back of this list because we know that Pipeline likes Terang a little bit more than some of the other people. So he was probably not far off of making that list as well. So, like, they have guys who are in the neighborhood of this list. They're just not on it. So.
0: Right. And like you guys kind of touched on, you know, this list maybe looks different this time next year or even, you know, the midseason updates, you know, with a strong first half terrain or some somebody else might jump into the back end of those. So I don't I don't think it's anything to be too worried about right now. Um, it'd be much more concerning if the major league team stunk and the farm system also <laughs> yes. did. Yes. Um, yeah. So we got a Patreon question sort of related to this topic from Chris Sinclair, one of our, our new Patreons, I believe. It's so mu- he says it's so much easier to see how basketball or football GMs do in drafting because it's, it's quicker to the pros. Yep. Um, how good is it how good is our baseball GM at drafting? Is it too early to decide how David Stearns and his team has done in the draft?
1: So not to be like pedantic about it, but Okay, yeah. first off, uh, the GM does not do the drafting. like They don't actually run the draft in the same way that, uh, say, football and uh, basketball yeah, like, GMs run like the draft.
2: Ted Thompson on the Packers was like highly involved in scouting himself and actually the draft process. Baseball is totally different than that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the GM does go out and see like potential first-rounders, and they're involved in all the meetings and things. But the person who actually runs the, the draft room is the scouting director. So for the Brewers that's Todd Johnson. Like it's for like how this runs. So it it is there's a level of remove from this first of all. Um and the other thing that yeah, you know, like Chris obviously points out here is that it does take time and we do have to wait to know and really, you know, with with uh Sterns taking over in 2015 or his first draft wasn't even until 2016. So the 2016 oh. draft is his first and if you look at like what they've done since then, say in the first round, that first one is Corey Ray, which is looking like a a, a bad pick at number five overall. Yep. But then the next year at number nine overall, they took Aston Hero and that's looking right. like a potential slam dunk of a pick. So and then after that, they're drafting in 2018. They're down all the way to uh, uh, much deeper in the draft. And you're taking, like, Bryce Terang at 20, and then last year, Ethan Small at 28. Like, they're starting to draft much further down at that point. And those picks, you do have to wait more on, generally. Like, you have to wait to to find out on those guys a little bit, especially when, like, with with Terang, they took a high school kid. So you do have to be patient on those to just kind of see how that goes. And the depth stuff doesn't get sorted out for many, many years. So you do have to be patient on that
2: yeah and and along the lines of what what those draft picks look like um the the both the ray and hero picks like when you go um best college hitter which um that tends to work out quite well and quite quickly if you get on the list of best college hitters taken over the last like 10-15 years it's good to great major league players uh chris Bryant, off the top of my head i think was one um So uh, that's kind of like when you can see like, oh, we maybe have a window here. We're going to pick guys who can help a little bit more quickly. You get further, you start to win. You have to go further down in the draft. You have to go with more like projectable guys, less certainty um, because the other guys are gone. The certainty guys are gone. And um, that's kind of what you have there. So um, the other thing about baseball that's different than those other sports is you are drafting high schoolers and projection is much more important. And development is much more important. Like, The draft is important, yeah, but your actual development system is at least as important and probably more important um, when what comes up the other end. And the Brewers have made a lot of changes to that recently with redoing their Arizona facility, with like just how they go about this. We won't know about how that works out for for years still. And that is uh, like, like that's more important than the actual guy you take in the first place in in a lot of ways. So when you're drafting football players, they have to stay in college for a certain amount of time they're usually fully grown um, men. By the time you get them up there, you kind of know what you've got at almost every position already. Baseball, like if you go and look at like a rookie ball game or a single a game, those guys look so much different than major league players. It is, it is fascinating to actually go and do it. Um, I remember last time I went to a Kane County Cougars game when they were still Cubs affiliate, Um, just how small they look and, and how much different they are. There's, it is night and day between the sports um, and and really, like bringing those guys around and teaching them how to play and getting them, you know, on workout regimens and building them up is, is like 60% of the game here. So.
1: Well, and they got to add that Ben Sheets man weight, right? Like <laughs> totally. Like that's got to come <laughs> along. And so, yeah, there's so much that has to happen there. And the other thing, like, point out with like Corey Ray, and it's a great point. Yeah. He was considered, you know, like the most kind of, well-rounded college bat in that draft. That was a was.
0: slam dunk pick when it they was. made it. Like, it was, it was. universally
2: praised was. as they got the best hitter in the draft. Like, best hitter of the yeah. draft, and, and it had worked out in, like, 80% of cases for the last decade before that, so.
1: Well, um, and the other thing, too, is, like, he was number one on some people's overall list for that draft. Keith Law had him number one. I mean, I it was, was, it was a slam dunk I couldn't
0: remember if it was Law or somebody else. He was the top-rated prospect in that draft, too, so it, it's really hard to knock that <clears> at the time.
1: And and also in a weak draft that needs to be pointed out that 2016 yep. draft is looking like one of the all time stinkers. So it was a bad time for the Brewers to have you know been really bad in 2015 and to have gotten that high on the draft pick. That was not yep. an ideal year to do it. Which they've had some timing issues that way uh, over the basically the 21st century. Because the right. other time when they picked second in 2003, uh, they took Ricky Weeks, who had a good big league career. Like don't. He did take this as ragging on Ricky weeks. Sorry, Andy. Um, I'm, a, I'm just a Ricky weeks fan. But I mean, he, that draft yeah. was bad and it did not really, you know, like, that's not what you want when you pick number two. It's not what you dream of. You kind of take it as, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a potential outcome that you can get and you don't necessarily hate it, but it's not like the ideal outcome that you want. So. Yeah,
0: right. And you can draft the best player in the world. But, you know, if, if the development player development system isn't as strong or even if the player itso- himself doesn't really take to coaching all that well, which it sounds like maybe might be the case with Corey Ray and his, his swing is just all sorts of messed up. Yep. Um, You know, it, it, there's just so many variables in the baseball draft that it's kind of hard to fault the, the front office uh, for that when it seems like at least – you know we're at least taking it on good faith that the processes seem to be good and that's all you can really yeah. judge them on you know they're pouring 50 they poured 50 million dollars into the player development facility so they at least seem to have uh, the right mindset and processes in place it's just sort of you know it's it's too early to see yeah. those those developments kind of come through
1: well yeah. and they're going after guys that fit with like an idea of how they want to develop they took Ethan Small because he graded out really really well on TrackMan and these advanced uh, pitcher, I don't know what you want to call them, basically pitcher systems that do evaluation of guys. That's why they took him at 28. And like the early returns on Ethan Small are really, really positive. That dude absolutely dominated younger, less experienced hitters. Mm -hmm. The question will kind of come this year when he starts facing guys that are a little bit more at a level that's commiserate with his ability and his development. Then we'll see kind of what that looks like. But there's good reason to think Ethan Small might be a breakout guy this year as well. So we will see.
0: In the now, it looks like the the future in terms of the farm system might not be as great. Not a lot of reinforcements, at least coming in, say the next two or three years during Christian Yelich's contract. So that brings up the age old question, Paul: uh. Are the Brewers wasting Christian Yelich's <laughs> prime? <laughs> <laughs> you are the expert in all things prime wasting, yeah. so I figured I would ask you.
2: So if you if you if you wonder why I'm the expert in all things prime wasting, um, my 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 most ever read. Thing I've ever written uh, for Acme Packing Company was an article about people love to say about uh, how Aaron Rodgers' prime was wasted. Um, and Andy, uh, third Andy Schaff, mentioned today because he helped write this. Um, he actually started doing it, and we then we collaborated on it. We went and found every major uh, markets articles about their own quarterbacks' primes being wasted, and literally every market wrote about their like from Tom Brady, who you know has more Super Bowls than anybody, to Drew Brees, to Ben Roethlisberger. Every market writes about their quarterback's prime being wasted. So I wrote an article about how everybody's prime is being wasted. Um, and including like Joe Thomas left tackle, his prime was wasted. Um, so, um, yes, I love prime wasting questions. I, and no, they're not wasting Christian Yelich's prime. Like, um, yeah, we, we've talked about how we think they could spend more potentially and how, you know, they're maybe cheaping out. But they were very, very close to making the World Series. Like once you get into the playoffs, this is... You know, it's really more luck than anything else. And Christian Jelic very unluckily bashed a ball into his knee last year um, and missed the end of the season in the playoffs. That's just, you can't do anything about that. It was a freak injury. Never seen it before. I doubt we'll see it again for a very long time. Um, So it's not like they're not trying to win. Like, they're totally in win-now mode. They are trying to build teams every year that can contend we might might, uh, quibble with how like entertaining they are and wish they would go out and get a few more stars, but no, they're, they're absolutely trying to not waste his prime, and hopefully that'll be the case this year. Um, but yeah, if, if they had Christian Yelich, we were keeping him on like a 65-win you know, team, that's when he starts to be like, yeah, you should trade him and restock your farm system, and you kind of are wasting his prime. The Marlins would have been doing that probably, but no, no, um, this is a team that is absolutely trying to contend as much as possible, so don't worry. And go find my prime article because it's great. It's fantastic.
0: Yes, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> any uh, concerns about wasting Christian Yelich's prime or not? Uh, you know, surrounding him with more help. You know, we 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 have that conversation with Aaron Rodgers all the time too. He needs more weapons and more help around him. So, does Christian Yelich need more help?
1: I mean, it would be nice if you could get him more help. And they there are definitely things. We've talked about this ad nauseum. Like, there are more things they could do. They could have signed yep. Grandal. Like, there are things they could do. But those do have back-end costs. Like, they do have things that are going to hurt you on the back-end. I was actually kind of thinking about that this week. What would be, like, something that they could have done that really would have just involved money? Like, okay, we're just going to give up money to take a shot here. And the only thing I could really think of was Corey Kluber. Because – they Texas didn't really give up much of, for him, like a potential solid reliever. But like I imagine, the Brewers could have given up, you know, a, a Devin Williams and you know maybe something else to make that same sort of deal work. But the Rangers are footing the bill for his whatever eighteen million dollar salary this year, and then they have a, a buyout next year, or they can opt in and and keep him, like. Other than that, though, like every other kind of move you would have made would have sort of had like a back end cost. Like you're talking about signing a guy who's in his 30s for four years. You're talking about uh, giving up significant prospects to get somebody like we've talked about, you know, Nolan Arenado. Like you have to pay him and you have to give up prospects to get him, which is probably why, you know, we haven't seen him move yet, even though <laughs> that seems to have spun into a holy war. Like that really got yep. ugly really fast. That is. there did.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Colorado, bad job.
0: See, they, they didn't a, even invite him to the fan fest the other day yeah. because they didn't want that at that
2: situation. Nope. Like that—that's how bad Ooh. it is. And if, if you're wondering what a bad GM job looks like, that's a, that's one right there.
1: I mean, and Breidich, uh, all I keep seeing from like, and it's beat writers in like every city in the country. Like I saw Derek Gould in in uh, in uh, St. Louis was was mocking him for this. It was because Breidich had that quote about how well, you don't go in and like tell a brain surgeon how to do their job. So why are you telling me how to do my job? Like it's the same <laughs> thing. Like it, it involves the same sort of like, you know, <laughs> depth of knowledge and whatever. And so uh, people people were rightly pilloring him for that. But anyway, yeah, if you look at it, they could do more, but really they they have been very close and they have a they have a system in place here. They have a, a way of doing things where they have certain ideas and they are sticking to it. And you can't really argue with the results like they have been so far. They missed the playoffs by one game in 2017, which was a complete shock to everybody. Right. Like they end up. Well, it was either one or two games back. Right.
0: It was, I think, one. one. It ended up it ended being.
1: Yeah, one. it ended up yeah. being one win back. Yeah. So in 2017 and who knows if Jimmy Nelson doesn't get hurt, if that's a different. Like that could right. have easily been. And the again, difference.
2: another like freak injury too. By the way, like this is right. not like a soft tissue injury or like a pitcher abuse injury. It's it's him getting taken out by a cub, right? Um, I, I, I
1: yeah, I mean he just slid yeah, back diving, in on the wrong shoulder, back on the base. Yeah, yeah. like he should have slid in on his left shoulder. He probably has nightmares about that. I would imagine. I would like, imagine so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so you have that. You have them getting to a game within a game of the World Series of 2018, and then, uh. Ending up in the wild card. And honestly, you could also look at uh, at the situation in 2019 and say, well, if Yelich doesn't get hurt, do they end up getting over the hump and and getting uh, past the Cardinals for the division? There's a decent possibility, at least, that that might have been the case. So, Or the
0: wild card game doesn't come down to a single play or something. You know,
1: yeah. Yeah, That it, it could have been a very different situation from that point on. So... I, I think that it's really hard to argue with this idea that, like, they're somehow, like, really screwing things up. Aside from this issue of, yeah, they could probably spend more money. But the the return on money, they're getting very good returns on the investments that they do make. They have a tremendously high hit rate when they go into the free agent market and, and get yep. guys. They're doing yep. really well, um, which to me, it's kind of like, okay, those moves – are their their biggest priorities. They're the ones where they think they can make the most. If you want them to make moves past that, you want them to go past that, those moves are moves they feel as a group less comfortable with. So their return on those investments they know is likely to be less. Like That's their their assessment of it because otherwise they would make those deals, right? They would do that if they thought those were really advantageous for them. And there's a certain point of like, it it gets to like uh Paul I, I remember hearing your discussion on like does in Air, is Aaron Rodgers throwing enough interceptions right and uh yes always the, a fun one there's but, sort of a cop to that in baseball of like in in this context of like well do they have enough bad money are they spending enough on guys who aren't great contracts but they're just spending that money to get that extra little bit I know he's also sound- I know addition. that sounds
2: silly, and the interception one sounds silly, but there's a point there that you can you can stop a little short of where you should be on that um, on your efficiency. If you don't go too far, you know you've left a little bit on the table there, and there's a cost to that too. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's a fair point. Um, and the, but the, the fact of the matter is, like they've been good for for three consecutive seasons now. They've been a good contending team. So we can project. Um, you know, we can have a negative. Less than optimistic forecast for them this year, and look at it and be like, "Oh, well, they're they're not doing what they should when they have Yelich." But that's probably how we've looked at the last few seasons because they've still been weird. Like, you know, (laughs) now we're used to them not having starting pitching that you know are big names or whatever. Um, But that's always been the grumble before, and we've had some, you know, some ways to look at it that have been less than optimistic, and it's worked out. So maybe this year will be the same thing
0: right and it's hard for me to say they're they're wasting yelich's prime when they were a game from the the playoffs in 2017 if that happens then suddenly this is the first time ever the brewers make the playoffs three years in a row row. yeah like this is this is legitimately one of the best eras of brewers baseball ever probably outside of what 78 to 82 this is probably right up there so it's really hard for me to say that they're screwing this up when they're going to the playoffs every year so i don't know that it, it just seems like an odd question to me but i i can i guess understand the especially after losing Mustakas and there's, Grandal, there's he, also
2: there's a sentiment among fans that um the, pl- the playoffs are a different animal and that like you can somehow spend money to be better equipped for them sure but that's not that's not really true like not at all no I, I, this is all billy bean's fault by the way for the team, his <laughs> for <team's laughs> stuff doesn't stuff. work in the playoffs it, yeah. it is it absolutely <laughs> yeah. is which is just a, a run of bad luck like matt stairs being called out when he was safe um and derek jeter becoming famous for it um like yeah it's it's really really random um they like prospectus back in the day tried to find why billy bean stuff didn't work in the playoffs yeah. and had to retract their findings but it was bullpen and something else I, but there's nothing. It, it is literally just people getting hot in complete randomness. So um, good luck, bad luck, whatever. Just think about right. the Cardinals winning World Series with garbage teams in the last. 20
0: or the years. Giants winning three or five years or whatever. Yeah.
1: The Cardinals, <laughs> those Cardinals teams are a great example because the Cardinals in 2004 and 2000. And- would it be 2009 had much better teams than the teams that ended up winning two years later in it did. It 2006 did. and 2011. But those were the teams that won the world series and the yep. other ones didn't, even though they, they had much us. better teams.
2: Yeah. That's stupid. Jeff Supon Cardinals teams both uh, <laughs> did not deserve to win a world series and cursed us with Jeff Supon. So that's my <laughs> least favorite Cardinal team ever.
1: I mean, when you win 83 games and then win the World Series, they
2: got in on the last day of the season uh, over the Astros by one game and won the World Series with an 83 win team. I hate that team so much
1: it is Here, it is magic. yeah i mean it's it's almost like the uh that twins team from what was it 87 that ended up yep. with a negative run differential like they mm. had more wins than than 83 i think they were like they 80, did. 86 or 87 wins or something but they actually were outscored by their opponents that year and the only reason they got in was the al west was an absolute dumpster fire before the a's emerged yeah. the batch brothers a's emerged and the Brewers could have actually, do you guys know about this? The Brewers switched out of the uh, West to the East in the mid seventies. And if they'd stayed in the West, they would have made the playoffs a bunch more times.
2: Yep. That is very true. Um, (laughs) In any case, the point is this, you can only, you can only manage your team to make the playoffs. That's as much control as you have. And even that's pretty tenuous. Um, Once you're in, it's just, um, you know, play your best and hope you get lucky.
0: Right. And I, you know, you, after the Nats won, I think you saw the argument too, is like, well, this is proof that dominant starting pitching gets you through the playoffs, right? Like they no, took exactly. down the Astros. <clears throat> they were, they were four outs away from losing at home in the yeah, wild, wild card guard, game. Yeah. From the Brewers, totally. <laughs> like one bounce of the ball, one bounce of luck. Literally none of this happens. The Astros are probably world series champions again. You know, if, if that held up, the Dodgers have a world series sometime in the last five yep. years and they don't, you know, it's, so I think, you know, you're absolutely right that all you can really do is build the team to get into the tournament, which I think is why you saw, you know, over the past couple of years, David Stearns just focus on depth and get through 162 games. Um, you know, if Luis Urias goes down, you have Eric Sogard there. The production doesn't slip that much. You don't have to be below replacement level at shortstop. You know, it's it's that kind of thing to get you through 162 games. Yep.
1: And then um, hand the team over to your very, very good manager and let him squeeze every advantage out of the roster that he can in exactly. the playoffs. And he's right. very good at that. So, yeah, you you do set your team up to sort of play into those things. Give right. Craig Council tools to use because he will use them better than most managers will. So
0: If, if the Dodgers had Craig Council instead of Dave Roberts... They probably have at least one World Series, if exactly. not two, you Quite know. <laughs> <the
1: case>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we've got a lot of Patreon questions this week. Thank you very much for being patrons. Yes. Um, and, you know, you can go and sign up and you'll get this, this question priority. We'll we'll read your question and, and, and talk reminder, about it.
2: You'll continue to get the mini pod for reporting as eligible, too. That exactly. is one of the reasons we're doing it. You lovely people um, who actually are patrons deserve it. Absolutely.
0: Um, so, one of our our Patreon questions, kind of related to this topic, and and Jay kind of asked this tongue in cheek, but we'll talk about it anyway. Is giving up six years of Keston Hero worth two years of Nolan Arenado or one year of Mookie Betts, or I suppose any any other big trade piece you could think of? Would you Would you give up the next six years of Keston Hero to make that big splash?
1: I wouldn't. No, I I wouldn't touch it because you're also trading for you're not just trading for like two years of uh of Nolan Arenado, you're trading for two years of Nolan Arenado making 35 million. Yeah. So it, that does really matter. Like it it's not my money and it doesn't but it, it would limit then what else they could do. Like what other moves they were going to make. It would mean that the depth strategy that they've employed would at least be largely curtailed. Like they would have to back off of that for next year because they need to fit that $35 million into some sort of a payroll that that makes sense for them. So they would have to cut back in other areas. And so you're not going to get it, it's not just like add Nolan Arenado to the current team. It's add Nolan Arenado and then subtract a bunch of other stuff. So, yeah, yeah. no, I wouldn't yeah. do it.
2: I'm, I'm less concerned with the financial ramifications because I think, you know, if you could like extend a guy or make that work, you can, you can work around having to pay people. But I, like, aside from that, there is a decent chance that Keston here is going to be just a better player going forward. Um, yes. Nolan Arenado is a good defensive player. Mookie Betts also a very, let's just ignore the Mookie Betts because it's one year. We're not doing that. Um, and mean, um, I don't think he's actually available, but we'll see. But like, Keston, you got to have somebody who plays second base. Um, Hira can stand there and do it, and his bat might be better, or at least the equivalent of that. Um, I certainly would trust it to be that four years from now. Um, so yeah, the Brewers have a hole there, but you don't want to create another hole across the diamond from it, and that's a big deal. I like his bat a lot. I, I think Hira is going to mash for quite a while, um, and Aronado is not—you know—he's not, you know, not decrepitly old by any stretch of the imagination. He'll be good for a few more years, but. Um, he's at that age where he might start to come down a little bit. So I don't do that deal just on player quality alone. Straight up, um, money makes it a slam dunk, but um, that that that's not a big enough upgrade for my tastes. Now that we've seen Hero with a full season in the major league or close to a full season in the majors.
1: Yeah. Did you see they did the uh, top 10 second baseman right now? It's actually airing right now on MLB Network as we're doing this. Oh, nice. And when they talked about Keston Hero, they brought up he was seventh in MLB, however many plate appearances he had. Basically, they, they yeah. did for that uh, in terms of hard contact. Dude absolutely stings yep. the baseball. He can
2: I also I always want to keep guys who can hit Um, I, like. You can find athletes to play defense a lot of the time. Um, if you really care about that, finding great hitters is so much harder, um, especially at second base. It, give, give me that guy all day.
1: Yeah, and he probably will improve at second base as well. I mean, he's not a good defender there now, but I think he's he
2: not. He's a butcher, but you know that's something you can work on. It's hard to, hard to teach guys to well, – it's getting less hard apparently, but harder to teach guys to be the great hitters than it is to be great fielders.
1: Well, especially that combination of power and – Uh, contact contact and being able to uh really just barrel the baseball like james said
0: right yeah it's really hard to find a second baseman who can hit 25 to 30 homers you know you'll live with whatever defense if he i think we talked about it maybe a week or two ago if he could be ricky weeks level yep (laughs) like that's golden ricky's what we're aspiring to here So, right. Um, Jay had another question on Patreon this time. uh, Looking at the bullpen, as of right now, besides Josh Hader, who do you both see as some high leverage guys at the back end of the bullpen?
1: Well, I mean, the obvious one's Corey Knievel, right? So when he comes back and we're planning on around May for that now at this point. So uh, it's not going to be right away, probably, unless things just go way better than we think in spring (laughs) training and they feel really comfortable with where he's at um beyond that shouts to bobby wall i think that that could be that could be a sneaky pick there
2: i do like bobby wall there this is also one of those things where like it can kind of be anybody who's not a big platoon guy just um yeah josh Hader's super awesome and it's really just like who's super awesome but um anybody who is decent is good stuff can end up being a high leverage guy like um it's not really a, a big skill set. Like Junior Guerra was a good high leverage guy last year for a bunch of the year. And um, we've cycled through so many. Like, hey, it will be your fireman, but I, yeah, hopefully Knievel comes back. I like Bobby Wall too. I think he has good stuff and turn that around. But um, I don't think I'd really say anybody else other than that. There's have so many new guys too. I haven't seen them. It could be like, it's, it's amazing how many times like guys from AAA just jump up and, and assume those roles too. So well,
1: and they have three guys who are kind of in contention to maybe start too. Who... that's the
2: other thing, that's a good point. And, and some of them are not going to, and who knows what you get when those guys go down to the bullpen.
1: Right. And that would be Freddie Peralta who's yep. had an amazing run in. And the And Freddie leagues. has
2: good bullpen stuff. I do like him there uh, for that role.
1: Yep. And then Corbin Burns, you know, we just, Hopefully he's figured something out. We don't know, but there's there's Corbin still, Burns with a
0: normal ball, I have yeah. higher hopes for. But. Well, and
1: there's still there's still something there because he did miss a ton of bats even he last year when bats. it was awful. Yeah. Um and then Brett Suter is this kind of wild card in this whole discussion. I think he's more of a mid innings kind of uh, bridge guy. Right. Yeah. But yeah, we when we saw him last year, he, he would absolutely he, he was like great. Josh
0: Hader. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He was Josh Hader, but like with eight miles less per hour or something. I don't know, six well, miles yeah, less per but hour. He was,
0: but he was excellent. And he's probably not gonna go an entire month with one earned run again. Probably but, not. You know.
2: Also, also, I like this is not scientific at all. I like super fun guys out of the bullpen. I think it that is uh helpful. Yeah. Um like were he to become the closer, he would be a fun closer to have.
1: Yeah. And like that would be, they have, you know, like Devin Williams, don't sleep on him. He potentially could be really good, too. He has pedigree, and his stuff looked really, really good last year, and it's kind of a question of him figuring out how to more consistently fill up the zone. Like, that'll be a big thing for him yeah. and not get hit. But there's absolutely, like, the possibility of him as well. So they have plenty of guys who can break out. Yeah. You'd maybe like to see one more guy get added. Um, we didn't put it on the rundown, right. but you guys saw that the Brewers apparently dropped out of the Pedro Strop. Discussion. Yeah. yeah that's yeah.
0: disappointing. Yeah. He would have been my favorite ad, maybe, because the, he,
2: he's been so good for the Cubs for so he, long. Yeah. has. You know? they're only good bullpen piece. So, right. I mean, always yeah. Good to, and, always good to anything. take your opponent's only good bullpen piece. It right. did get yeah.
1: pointed out to me this week, though, when I brought him up on Twitter um he has had a pretty precipitous drop in velocity he's down about three miles an hour last year from where Dude, he was in 2017 i think he was
0: hurt a bunch but yeah that's that's concerning that he's is concerning and i think it's he's why he isn't middle, getting he's into his 30s now yeah but you know yeah. he's got a at least a track record of success which i think yep. for relievers is kind of rare you don't he you didn't see him like ping pong between
2: good and bad like you do a lot of a lot of relievers yeah. but um, by the way, I want to. I I want to make my official answer to the last question, Suter. Since Ryan reminded me that he's probably going to be in the bullpen because I, I I love Suter and he was good last year, so that's that's my that's home. my reliever breakout candidate. I want to see him do that.
1: If there's any Brewer yeah, I would like fun. to just hang out with, it would be Brent Suter. Yep, I would love to just new. listen to him talk. So
0: right, he's he's much funny, uh, much more funny than Tim Dillard for my money, absolutely too, by the yeah. Um, you know, I guess for me, I, I just worry about depending too much on Knable this year. Like, it, it's not a given he's back in May. So then the question is, what do you do through April, you know, and and what happens, you know, if if he's still shaking off Russ for much of the summer? You know, I, I, I would still like to see him add one more piece. But, you know, as you guys mentioned, there's, there's still a slew of, of folks who could help out in that regard. Adam Post has another Patreon question for us. Bartolo Colon recently stated he has no intention of retiring this season. Maybe he's your your shut down <laughs> bullpen guy. How do we start a campaign
2: to get the Brewers to sign Bartolo? Uh, people people love Bartolo, but no, he he's this is over now. Let's let's move past. He was fun. He's going to be gone. Um, he hit his home run. It's it's all. Bartolo should be done with baseball now. I don't. I don't. I don't want Bartolo. Uh, we should be better than Bartolo. We should be.
1: So I have a story about Bartolo Cologne. So my, I took my brother to a spring training game. I had, I think, just graduated high school, and we were down visiting my grandmother down there, and, uh, or I was gonna graduate high school that year. So anyway, we're at a spring training game, and we sat over by the scout section. We didn't know that we were sitting. Like in the scout section. So we sat down next to a uh, scout and he was for a different team. We were at the Indians facility and Bartolo Colon was starting that game. He was just establishing himself in the big leagues at that point, which gives you an idea of how old I am and how old he is. Uh, So he was just kind of establishing himself and we didn't really have any idea who he was. And the scout starts telling my brother, who's like, I don't know, 10 at that point, Um, Starts telling him how good this guy is and like going like in depth, like how awesome Bartolo Colon is. And so there's always been kind of that little connection where like every time I see him, I'm like, yep, that's the guy that that scout told my little brother how good he was back in
2: 1998.
1: So yeah, It, it is amazing that he's still kicking around too. It's just it's absolutely remarkable.
0: Maybe the Royals or somebody who's terrible can give them a shot. But yeah, sure. I think I think the Brewers are are probably well past that point. Uh Brian Polakowski had a had a pretty extensive question on Patreon, but we're gonna boil it down to uh what what is your guys' outlook on the twenty twenty season? Are you thinking you're more of an optimist, pessimist, uh, or a realist in terms of where this team is headed in the next season?
2: I guess I probably always went on realist. Um, just, I, I think we always kind of, definitely, I, I always judge them based on sort of their underlying um, stats. And I think they're probably like an 84, 85 win team on that. And that's probably where they'll end up. But along with that, you know, with good managing, sometimes with abusing the September system, they managed to crank out an extra five wins on that. Um, and I, that's my optimism is they're this, it's pretty good with some luck and some tactical maneuvering, they'll probably be better. If you want to call that a semi-optimist, that's kind of where I land. Um, On the negative side, the thing you really can't control is injuries. They've actually worked through injuries pretty well. But, uh, um, you know, I I think they are what they are, and that is, you know, a just short of playoff team that manages to eke its way in. Um, So that's that's how I will see them this year, and that's what I would bet on them being. Uh, But that's not bad. It's pretty good.
1: Yeah, I think I've pretty much stayed with my season projections. Like I've stayed pretty much right around like where Pakoda is or where it was zips or the other projection systems are. Yeah. And I'm tempted this year to finally say, you know what, I'm going to add a few wins to that and go, no, okay, if, if Pakota says they're an 84-85 win team, I'm going to say they're an 88-89 win team, just because that's what we've kind of consistently see them do, is overperform that expectation, modestly, not by leaps and bounds, but we've seen them overperform those expectations, yeah. I'd be
2: more on that without with roster expansion still existing. Uh, I think that does kind of ding their ability to do that a little bit. So it that, does that a, makes me a little more pessimistic. That's going to be really interesting. It to does see a it little September, bit. yeah.
1: But they do get 26 now all year instead of 25. So how much does that help the other five months of the season compared with, you know, and, and they seem to have still adopted this idea I think one of the things that has made the Brewers really good over this period is their 30th and 32nd and you know 34th best player on their roster, I think is a lot better than almost any other team's 30th, 34th best player. And they use them and they they take advantage of that. And so it allows them to cover for injuries. When guys get nicked and get banged up, they're able to cover for that in a way that a lot of other teams aren't. And that they wouldn't be able to if they decided to adopt more of a stars and scrubs approach than a rounded yeah. roster depth approach. So
2: they are very, very good at that. That is true. Uh, it just seems like you know the September. Yeah, maybe it'll help them marginally over the course of the season, and they'll make up for their lack of September um, abilities this year. But you know they've had those two huge September runs in a row to actually push into the postseason. I feel like they get a ton of benefit from having the full forty-man roster that they just abuse the heck out of it. And you know that's why they were so much better than the rest of baseball. Certainly, some luck too. Um, just without without that like late run um, hanging in their back pocket, I'm a little bit down on on them this year. Well,
1: and they do get to add in September. They still get to add two. So, they do.
2: It, but it two is a lot different than than fifteen or whatever. Or you now having a
1: twenty-five
2: man bullpen or yeah. whatever. But it'll be
1: interesting there, to know. see yeah. if they can shuffle that a little bit too they may be able to squeak more than just two out of that by uh, doing promotions and demotions within that time period.
2: That is true. And they do, they do that all year too. Um, They're they're, the big shufflers of all at major league baseball. Well, we'll see. I, I, I wish they had not changed that. It's, It is a. It was a. It was a very unfair rule in the first place. It was a weird rule. Nobody, no other sport lets you bring in a whole bunch of other players at the end of the season. Doug Melvin railed on that for
0: years, and I think probably the kind of the driving force behind that rule change. It was that is the irony.
1: I would love to hear like a private conversation between Stearns and Melvin about this, because Stearns has to be like, Doug, what are you doing, that Doug? Why did you do this? Come on, man. Why'd you do this to me? Like we 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 used this to our advantage and now we're getting to take it taken away cuz you. So, yeah.
0: Ah, grumpy Crumpy old man. Yep. <laughs> um, you guys had uh kind of brought up some of those projection systems and Brian actually has a question about that too. Uh Paul he's asking which projection Ooh. system do you prefer? Picota,
2: Steamer, Zips or anything else? What are okay. the pros and cons of those? Um, so the first thing is they're all pretty similar in terms of what they output every once in a while, you'll see like one big discrepancy between, between the three big ones. Um, and that's because they're all sort of based in the same, um, same basic underlying structure, which is they take a weighted mean of the last three or four years of player performance, um, do some adjusting based on age. Um, and then we get in some differences, but that's the basics. Um, there's a, There's another projection system called Marcel. They don't run Marcel anymore. It was created by Tom Tango as a way to to judge the other three. And it was just a very simple weighted mean projection. Um, And they actually flip flopped back and forth between who would do best against Marcel. Um, However, the one I do prefer is Pakoda, which has performed the best recently. And just full disclosure, I've freelanced for Prospectus, and I know some Prospectus people. Um, But one of the reasons I do think it's a little bit better is that they started getting better underlying stats to make their projection system. Um, has been around forever. It used to be very similar to Marcel when Nate Silver started it. it, used to be just cranked out on a spreadsheet. Prospectus has gotten much more sophisticated since then. Um, they were the first ones to include like catcher framing in it. Um, fan graphs has caught up on that. It was Big. One of the things about Prospectus is, since it's behind a paywall, it just is harder to access and less famous. If you want to get similar things, you can go to Fangraphs and dial it right up and not pay them anything. But uh, they have catcher framing. They have a lot of like the deserved runs created and deserved runs allowed stats, um, which are, I would say, more true projections of actual pitcher value and hitter value. And as a result, they've been more accurate lately, at least in my opinion. Um, so I like Picota. I think Picota does a really good job, especially... Um, on the actual player projections themselves. Uh, and like, if you look at how Pacoda did last year, there are things they get a little bit wrong, but you can kind of see in the reasoning underlying Pacoda, which they're pretty transparent about, like why things happen. And they were pretty good on the Cubs. Like, Cubs right. fans all got honked off about it, and they weren't as bad as that. But the essentials of what Pacoda was seeing, like a, a questionable bullpen, um, happened and made the Cubs not great.
1: I was going to um, ask you that, Paul. So they have. They've taken an approach, because usually when people think of projection systems, they primarily think of the player side of it, like projecting what an individual player is going to do. Pakoda has put some effort in, obviously, to understanding team projections on a little bit more than just a teams are a sum of their parts sort of assumption, which was the long standing assumption in the sabermetric community is teams are just sort of a a, a sum of their player parts. And Pakoda adjusted that last year with the Cubs, and they seem to have been... Onto something.
2: Prescient on it. Yeah. And uh, prospectus is, I think, very good at, at determining sort of what is going to be, uh, all of them are okay at this, but w- what's going to be more projectable, what's going to be more in flux, um, and looking at like where there are warning signs where big shifts can happen, um, where you maybe are going to get hit with regression to mean on something you didn't think about before. Now, none of them are bad. So I prefer Picota, and I think it is pretty good. But um, like Zips, like Dan is that he does and has done forever. Uh, is also quite good um, it does well against Marcel and has for a long time um, he uh, zips differs in that he takes sort of the uh, a little bit old school like player type um, so certain players are going to decline faster based on certain things certain players are going to last longer based on certain things uh, it would be oversimplistic to say we're getting into like old man skills from old-timey Bill James because Dan is more sophisticated than that but as a heuristic that's kind of how he works Um and Zips does a really good job. Um, and, you know, there's some value to having sort of an auteur, like a, a one-man, I see this about baseball and make my adjustments on that. So, um, it, it's, it's, pakota has got like a big, huge statistical machine behind it, and um, it does trade for that reason. Um, Zips does quite good, too, and is a little more insightful, I think, on um, certain players who crash out um, and take big steps forward. Where a is sometimes a little conservative with those things, so um, I do think Zips is good there. Um, Steamer, um, it, it, the one I'm I'm least knowledgeable about, but I do know. Um, so F- FanGraphs hosts Zips and Steamer. Um, Steamer was developed by I think a stats professor, um, not professor, high school teacher. Um, and I think the big ch- the big thing that they do a little differently is it's built to update constantly because they do update every day, I think, um, and it really focuses on um, on pitching more than hitting to some extent they, they update for pitch types and uh like some pretty deep statistical underlying pitch um shifts um on a day-to-day basis i think their their big selling point would be that they make new projections all the time for an upcode updates too and i, I know dan does zips once in a while but um they want that to be like a consistently updated n- new projection available um thing all the time so they all are very similar. Nothing is going to be drastically better than anything else because there's only so much you can do projection-wise. All of them are conservative at the, at the ends because that's how projection systems work as well. Um, I do think um uh, the, the best of breed at the current moment. Um, they tend to be ahead of fangraphs in their underlying statistical work, um, but they're all, they're all good and all offer something.
1: Yeah, and the teams all have these too. I mean, I, I think just <laughs> about every team has one of these. As every well, team, every whatever, team
2: has a mo- every team has one, every team has a model, and they have access to data that nobody else does. So um, the team ones are probably the best of all.
1: Yeah, and when you say they have access to data that uh, the public ones don't, you're talking primarily about StatCast type data? Yeah.
2: Stack S type data, whatever they have set up in their own um, ballparks, their own systems to capture data and the analysis that goes on on that too. Like, um, you know, all of the the current systems prospectus and fan graphs, they have access to a lot. Like a lot of sports don't let half of this stuff out the door. Um, It's a, a great accident that like things like pitch effects even got out in the first place. And right. uh, kudos to a lot of the prospectus guys for both running with that, becoming involved in it um, and actually helping major league baseball so that we all get to keep seeing it. Um, but uh, there is so much more data that baseball teams can capture just on um, how they view pitching, like with high speed cameras, how they view where players are that we don't get. Um, so they can use all of that information um, and they have underlying information about just how their parks play more than we do too like they can do all these deep dives that you know uh, the the baseball community is great at scraping every scrap of data that's out there but there's
1: a bunch that's not out there
2: and so baseball the, the teams themselves are always going to be the most accurate of all as long as they put the effort in
1: not all of them do but enough of them at this point are doing that. yeah I and there's got to be enough oh, cross-pollination at this point where one guy should, leaves actually, another organization that. I shouldn't have said that. Spreads.
2: Yeah, that was a five years ago comment. I actually think every, every team now does it in baseball. I don't think there's any stragglers. Football's different. There's a bunch of right. dumb front offices in football, but baseball front offices are all pretty good at this point.
1: Yeah, I think there are some that pay more attention to it. Like they all do the yeah. work. There are some that believe it more and, and rely on it more. And there are some where, well, they do it. And yeah, the GM looks at it, but they they don't, you know, they, they're more still likely to listen to scouts or some other voice than listening to that data. So. Yeah. But that's harder to know. Right.
0: right. Um to more Patreon questions now. Uh Darren is asking, "Do you think 2020 is Ryan Braun's final season in a Brewers uniform?" Ooh. Uh so for context, Braun will be 36 this year. He's got a mutual $15 million option for next year with a $4 million buyout. So Ryan is this Ryan yeah. Braun's last year.
1: I don't think Ryan Braun is going to play for any team other than the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, <laughs> so boy, they have been really cold blooded in terms of letting people go, you know, what they yep. do with Thames this year. And uh, so I could see them declining that option and Ryan Braun sitting on the market next winter and then deciding like, Oh, I'm just going to re-sign with the Brewers for a couple million bucks and come back because I don't want to be done yet. But I have a hard time believing he's going to go anywhere else. I think that it's a, It's at least a strong possibility that he decides on his own and says, nope, you know what, I've made my money, I'm good, I'm done, I'm going to ride off into the sunset now and, uh, and just – end my career in a, a positive way and i guess that would be even more likely if the brewers were to you know go and do something like win the world series i could really then see ryan Braun just being like <laughs> hey guys i'm, I'm done <laughs> we're we're out of here like you know i'll take my my four million dollars and then the uh all that deferred money that mark is going to be paying him up until like 2030 uh I'll, I'll take my 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 money my severance package and i'm out of here and then go live in southern california with his Model wife and his children and all that, so I could see him do that. But they're, i don't know. So I agree, they're they're not going to pay him. So um, okay. that's
2: the scenario where he comes back. I'm just not sure that's going to happen. Uh, and you're right, like he's he's damaged goods. I'm not sure off the top of my head who's going to sign him other than Milwaukee. But I I could envision some scenarios where it happens, like. Maybe the Astros need a bench bat. Who <laughs> cares if if they sign right? Ryan- oh no, uh, well, the Astros did something bad. Oh well, okay, that makes sense. Just um, go
1: full heel. <laughs> just yes, full go full heel turn. Heel.
2: <laughs> so, like that kind of scenario is pretty plausible, I would say. Um, so I would I would wager a, a slight yes that this is his last season in Milwaukee because he's gonna be a free agent, I think. Um, and at that point, anything can happen. So,
0: right? I, yeah, I would probably bet on the brewers declining that option for sure there's yeah, if they're, he's not, here, gonna they're, up, they're not gonna they're not gonna pay him 15 million dollars no uh, how good uh, a season would you need to have like what would he right need to like do? that's the
2: thing i i don't know like you would have to have a season that he's not capable of having he would right you'd like, have to play return out.
0: to all-star form yeah. close to 30 homers like i think over 30 homers like yeah like he, he to to bring him back at that price yeah um I th- I think it's probably a shoe in that they turn down that that option. I think maybe with the understanding that hey, maybe we bring you back at a lower price. But also some of the stuff they're doing, like signing Garcia to a multi year deal, I think is very much <laughs> done in planning on not having Ryan forever I mean, next year. So I you know, I I could see a scenario where they just don't have a spot for him either, you know? Um and in that case, you know, does he sit around until mid-February before he takes, like, a $5 deer deal, deal with, like, the Dodgers or something when they decide they want? You know, like, I could see a scenario where he's just chilling in Southern California <laughs> it signs with the Angels or Dodgers, but I don't know who else he would want to play for. That was know?
1: what I was going to bring up, is he's been really picky about who he was going to go. Like, what was it? It was, like, the Dodgers, the Angels, and the Marlins were, like, the only teams he was so, yeah. willing to go to?
0: Yeah, no, that was his no-trade list, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I don't know. Like that's gonna be, that's gonna be another thing. And maybe once it's a free agent situation and he can just go where somebody is willing to to take him. But I don't know what team is going to want to take the PR hit. That's the that's the tricky part because he is still a fairly ill thought of person in MLB at large. So who wants to take that hit for a guy who's you know useful but not 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 exactly yeah a transformative player
0: in that case he's definitely ending up with the Astros I agree (laughs) they (laughs) they don't care (laughs) Uh, another Patreon question Uh, Brewers giveaway schedule came out this year Uh, Ryan uh, and Paul have you had a chance to look at the list what's your favorite
2: I I find this one a little bit uninspiring like my favorite all-time giveaway was the you alarm clock which is fantastic you're not topping
0: that yeah that's the best ever
2: I, I like things that aren't bobbleheads, but um, but that are also kind of along those lines, and it just doesn't seem to be one this year. So, very heavy on on the '80s brewers this year, which makes makes sense. So, I, I think um, I'm not really excited about any. Nothing's gonna draw me to the park. I, I tend to go for the useful items when when the bobbleheads don't excite me. So, like freezer bag, that looks pretty good. I could use a brewer freezer bag. Use that like every day in the summer. So, um, I, I'm for that. I guess I would go for like the Yownt bobblehead only because I don't have one yet. Um, but, but I, not my favorite group this year. I feel like last years were a little bit better.
1: So we have the Bob Euchre talking bobblehead on June twenty eighth. That one's yeah. interesting. Like, yeah, because it's.
2: I feel it's like easy. it's just a worse version of what I already have. That's all.
1: <laughs> sure. Um, but the one, yeah, I would I would go for the Ben Sheets bobblehead because I am all about Ben Sheets. So that would be my pick. That's uh, August twenty third. They're giving that one away. So
2: that's probably my pick, too. Yeah. 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 Like Ben. That's a good one.
0: That's good. Uh, Twitter questions now. Derek Korr is asking us, uh, we know there's been a lot of talk recently on J- Josh Hader and a possible trade to the Yankees. Do you think there's a match that could be made with the twins instead? Um, that's kind of interesting, especially after they signed Josh Donaldson and seem to be kind of going all in. Uh, Derek feels like there would be a better prospect match, at least with the twins, as opposed to the Yankees. Uh, Ryan, what do you think?
1: Well, I mean, the twins have top, top flight prospects that they They could trade if they wanted to. You have the former number one overall pick, who's a top 15-ish type guy right now in Royce Lewis. Uh, Alex Kirilov is one of the best hitting prospects in the minors. There are guys they could trade if they decided to do that. I just don't know that the twins who are now a very smart, very, very advanced organization, Um, they really turned that around fast. They did. Um, They really did. uh, If they would be willing to do that, I have serious doubts. And you're not doing this unless you are getting either a really good current major leaguer or multiple current good major leaguers, or you are getting an absolute potential superstar prospect back. So I think it's unlikely, but... You know, it, it's more possible with the Twins than it is with some others, just because they do have that elite prospect capital.
2: Yeah. Um. I also, so they're not going to trade Hader right now. So um, what we're looking at here is a deadline deal, and deadline deals are weird. Like you don't, you don't have matchups with teams based on what the prospect lists are. You're matching up with teams based on how much they need to push themselves over the edge, and the best case scenario is always a bidding war. So you're, what you want is for a team like the twins with a great system to really want to push themselves over the edge and need a guy like Hader to do it. Um, it the best, best case, I mean, the best case scenario is you don't want to trade Hader because you're good yourself. But if you find yourself in this situation, best thing that can happen to you is have the Yankees and the twins both looking to do something along the same lines and a few other teams looking to get along the same lines that have good systems and get into war, a bidding war over your super awesome relief pitcher who's not useful to you anymore. So, um, ideally, yeah, you want the team with the best system giving you the best prospect there is. And situations create that more than like specific matchups with trade partners do. So hopefully.
0: you get that, you get that desperation in July. You know, yep. um, I think especially with with it's funny you bring up both. You know, we're talking both the Twins and the Yankees. Like it's it's every year they seem destined to meeting the playoffs right exactly like wins haven't beaten the yankees in god knows how long so you know you're you're probably yep. looking at that you know realistically in the yep. al you're probably looking at that scenario again so it, yep. it'll be interesting to see if you're if you're, you know you're making possible, moves in july just to kind of one up each
2: other yeah yep. your best possible deal isn't really born of like somebody else's prospect tree nearly as much as it is the number of suitors you have for somebody and their desperation level for actually upgrading their team. So that's like uh, we uh, we, often we talk about offseason trades. We talk about, well, you get the extra X months for them, but you can often do better at the deadline in certain circumstances um, if you have more suitors who are all looking to do the same thing at the same time.
1: Well, in relief pitchers, that has been particularly true. You look at the biggest guys who've moved. Yeah. In, in recent years, as far as the best prospects to move at the deadline, you have Gleyber Torres going for uh, a role as Chapman in yep. what was that 2016. And, and wouldn't you
2: like to see a deal like that?
1: Right. <laughs> and then you also had the Yankees getting um, a pretty big haul back for oh, who uh, it was. He went to the Indians and he's now with the Cardinals, uh, Andrew Miller. So Andrew, oh yeah, yep. you also had that. So it it does. And like even on smaller deals, you can kind of see like people were sort of surprised that the Brewers had to give up uh, Mauricio Dubon to get Drew Pomeranz. Pomeranz.
2: That's a good point, too. Yeah, we, we were on yeah. the other end of that just recently. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The Brewers aren't going to give up Dubon for Pomeranz in an offseason deal, right? It's it's that exactly. midseason kind of not quite desperation, but like the opportunity is there. You're trying to seize that opportunity that I think that's a really good point. That's not a deal that happens in December. Right. Cool. Um, Tim Braun, another Twitter question. And this kind of goes back to something that you guys might have talked about uh, a while ago, Ryan, on the podcast. But uh, towards the end of the season, there was the whole unwritten rules discussion uh, with the Rangers and Mike Minor. I believe uh, the situation was the Rangers let a pop-up fall just so Mike Minor can try to get his 200, 200th strikeout. Yep. Um, Ryan, Tim's wondering what you guys think about that.
1: Um, my main take is that I am absolutely in love with Mike Miner uh, throwing shade about this because he, well, the people he got called out for by it were the Boston media and specifically uh, Cora, and so he he, was, <laughs> uh, he responded with interesting now oh yeah. yeah he he came back right away when Cora was fired with a oh yeah playing the game the right way huh like it was <laughs> it was it was really great so I'm I'm a big fan of that I don't care i i guess i really it That's doesn't correct
2: yeah I'll, I'll take the effectively wild um uh rule on this which is we are uh, we are in favor of the unwritten rules and especially of breaking the unwritten rules and um it that makes things interesting it is a way you can exploit things for either um win gains or entertainment value sometimes and this is fine like it you don't have to make outs if you don't want to. Like, this is <laughs> that, that's totally allowed. It's part of the, it's a thing. And if you want to, like, if you're not in a contending mode and you want to try and set something like that up, that's fine. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, it, yeah, they're taking a risk. It makes it, it made the viewing experience better. Like, who could object to that? It a much more entertaining game because that happened.
0: Yeah. It, it's sort of like a, a... Dude intentionally missing a shot to get a triple double on the one last rebound or something, right? Like, it's a superficial thing. Yep. I mean, you know, I i guess with minor, there's probably like, you know, financial,
2: you know, motives there, but like, yeah, who cares? It's it not was to get a managing.
1: bonus, I believe. Yeah. He yeah. did have a bonus.
2: That's even better than it's the player sticking it to the man. So, I'm, right. I'm exactly. Even more, I'm even yeah. more pro now than I was before anyone's pissed it's probably like john daniels
0: you know yeah. <laughs> like come on that drop pop-up cost me a hundred thousand dollars right uh, somebody just got non-tendered because of that so yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i shouldn't joke that probably actually happened it may... <laughs> <laughs> uh well lots lots of good questions this week again uh you can uh get question priority by j- Going over to Patreon, becoming a Patreon, uh patron of ours, uh, go to patreon.com MKE Tailgate, patrons at the ball and glove and above level. Get the monthly Minor League Extra podcast. Also, Paul's mini pods reporting as eligible. Yep. Uh Ryan, we got a lot of a lot of uh, activity on the Patreon. You wanna run through some of the new subscribers we added in the past week?
1: Yeah. So welcome to uh, Travis Carney, who I think may have signed up specifically to get the minor league extra because he signed up like right after I posted that and sent the link out on Twitter. So I think that might have been why that happened. Um, Also, welcome to Matthew. Just Matthew. I think like Cher or, you know, like uh, or like uh, Brazilian soccer players who all just go by the one name. Oh, yeah. Ronaldo. Matthew. Matthew. Yep. Um, And Luke Zimmerman joined us as well. And this is going back a little ways, but I missed it because I didn't catch that uh, Lucas Stoller had upgraded from two to five to, to join the ball and glove level so that he could get the minor league extra. So want to mention that, Oops. too, because Excellent. he, he yeah, did awesome. go ahead and upgrade. So, yeah, uh, if you want to listen to the minor league extra there will be coming out on a monthly basis and uh brad and i had a lot of fun with the first one and i'm looking forward to uh brad has some connections he's going to talk to some people about getting some interviews in there so look forward to that as well coming down the road and uh yeah it should be a lot of fun yeah
0: it's super entertaining and you know only three dollars extra you get that minor league extra podcast <laughs> so uh you know we'll, we'll get that sales pitch in but it's definitely worth it and uh you know you and brad are are great and it's super entertaining and definitely well worth the money you know you don't have to be a patron to send in questions you can also send in questions via twitter uh at our twitter account at tailgate. you can also as we mentioned earlier you can send an email to milwaukee's tailgate at gmail.com or you can send us a question on our milwaukee's tailgate podcast network facebook page if you haven't already don't forget to subscribe uh you can subscribe to our podcast basically anywhere you get your podcast whether it's apple podcast spotify stitcher overcast pocketcast just about anywhere and while you're there please please do leave us a review let us know how we're doing and it'll help other people find the podcast as well
1: and say something uh, mean about steve if you if you want to yeah at this point yeah, too, so. also fun. yeah yeah
0: yeah at this point yeah please we too. can we can trash talk steve for sure. (laughs) Well, guys, thanks for, for, you know, joining us this morning and, you know, thanks to all of you for listening and look for us again next week on Milwaukee's tailgate. The next time we'll be joining you, it'll be February, believe it or not. And just about two weeks before the first full squad workout at spring training. So, you know, we're, we're almost there off season's almost over almost to the new season.
1: (laughs) It's getting to be that time. (laughs) Getting excited.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah definitely you know it'll help us deal with the seven inches of snow i saw in madison in the past week so you know baseball season's almost here think warm and uh we'll see you again next week here on milwaukee's tailgate